The following program was pre-recorded on WFAN. It's time for Hello, My Name is Craig, our weekly candid conversation about gambling addiction. It's supported by the Council on Compulsive Gambling of New Jersey, 800-GAMBLER. Now, here's Craig Carton. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Hello, My Name is Craig. Uh, Craig Carton with you for the next 30 minutes, having an open, honest, frank conversation about gambling addicts like myself. Uh, and happy to have from Massachusetts joining us today, Sam, who's also a gambler in recovery. Sam, good morning. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, appreciate it. Uh, I know we, you have some interesting things going on uh, from a tech standpoint, but let's get your gambling story out there first. Uh, how long has it been since your last wager? Yeah, I've been bet-free for going on four years now. Congratulations. That's awesome. I imagine life is a lot better now than it was four and a half years ago. Oh, man. Unrecognizable. Absolutely. How old were you when you first got exposed to gambling? Yeah, I started gambling when I was about 12 or 13 years old. Um, I'm I'm 36 now, so I was a child of the poker boom, you know. Chris Moneymaker was on TV, won the World Series, and I, I got hooked. Yeah, it's funny, uh, you know, when it comes to gambling, there's a generation of guys, you're in that right age, where Chris Moneymaker, a kid out of nowhere, with very little actual, you know, professional experience, if any, uh, winning, uh, what was it, like 11 million bucks, 8 million bucks, whatever it was, all of a sure. sudden sold every single guy that had that Friday night card game, you could be the next guy to win the World Series of Poker. It changed the entire dynamic of the World Series of Poker. So he wins. You and your buddies just start playing more and more poker. And how quickly did you wind up playing, you know, four tables at once online? Yeah, it's interesting. You know, all through high school and college, I played a lot of cards, but I didn't really play online. Um, You know, in high school, it was cash games with my buddies. Right. And, you know, I think it was an activity our parents thought was was great at the time. We were at home. We were in someone's house. We weren't out there on the streets drinking or any of that stuff. Right. Um. And then when I went to college, there was a Native American casino maybe 30 minutes away. So I mostly played in the card room there. I wasn't actually, you know, exposed to online gambling until I, got you. I started sports betting, you know? Yeah, so I, and I brought up the online just because of your age. Like for someone, me in my 50s, you know, it's much more normal to have gotten kind of hooked into gambling, you know, bricks and mortar casinos, you know, games at people's houses, underground games, that kind of thing. You know, younger guys like yourself, you know, the majority of guys we talk to, the problem is you're doing it online, having access to it in your pocket. How did you go from relatively normal, you know, Americana kind of stuff, the Friday night game in somebody's basement, to it becoming a problem? Was it the access to casinos physically, or did something else happen that brought you down that path? No, it was really my my introduction to gambling online. Um, so after, you know, maybe 10 years of, of playing poker, mostly in person, I started gambling on sports when I uh, moved back to the States after a couple of years abroad. I was probably 24. And, you know, it was the first time I gambled online. It was the first time that I gambled on sports. I, I really saw it as, you know, a fun way for me to engage and get closer to some of my friends that were right. super into sports. Um, and that was really where, where my problem escalated significantly. And walk me through, uh, like, at the height of it, you know, how much time would you spend on your phone? How many bets a day? And uh, what was your gambling looking like when it came to online sports wagering? Oh, man. At the height of it, I was gambling essentially 24 hours a day. Um, I would wake up in the morning, 
I would look at what was coming down, you know, the pipeline in terms of sports for the day. I would usually start with European soccer, you know, or early baseball. <laughs> that would kick off around 10 a.m. for me. I was living on the West Coast. Right. And I would ride that through the last basketball or hockey game until, you know, 10 or 11 at night. Yeah, so you're betting on, you're basically betting on everything. It's an all day thing. It becomes like a job for you. Were you employed at the time? Were you making money? And how did you support, you know, the gambling? Because while I'm sure you had a number of wins along the way, you obviously had a lot of losses as well. How did you support it financially? Yeah, so during this time, I started working in the tech industry and I always looked at gambling harm. You know, I didn't really know what gambling addiction was. I always looked at gambling harm as, if you're broke or you're going into debt, you have a problem. If you're not, you don't. And right. so, you know, I would make myself a budget every month of what I needed to pay for rent and food. And everything else was just, you know, what I called my fun money. So in the beginning, that might have been a couple hundred bucks. Later on in my career, that might have been a couple thousand bucks. And right. you know, all of that pretty By much. By the way, th there is some truth to that statement you made. You know, and there is a discipline to it where... You know, you might be a guy that gambles every single day and you don't have a problem because you're able to control the amounts you gamble, how much you deposit, what you're willing to lose. So I don't want people to get the wrong idea. There are people out there that don't have an addiction at all. They just have tremendous amount of discipline. And I can, you know, speaking for myself, you know, I, I crossed the line where I was extraordinarily disciplined about my gambling and getting up and walking away when I was up a certain amount of money and money management, which is a huge part of poker. And I'm not like, I'm good at poker. I don't like playing poker because the speed of it isn't fast enough for me, but money management and discipline, you know, is a key part of it. And for me, it, I didn't start you know, making really bad decisions financially with my gambling until I dropped the discipline that was so important to me. And then once discipline flies out the window, then it's like the wild, wild west. So I assume you're a similar thing where there's a point where, you know, you monitored every dollar you made and brought in and how much you could set aside for any type of entertainment or fun. And then at some point along the way, you kind of threw that into the wind. Yeah. Yeah. You know, for me, I always was able to exercise discipline, you know, across pretty much every other area of my life, <laughs> you know, my, my career, sure. my, my fitness, these other areas. But no matter what, I couldn't exercise discipline around my gambling. I, I would be disciplined about the amount of money that I would risk. But once that money was at risk, I mean, everything went out the window. I, I would gamble every time until I had no money remaining. Right. And, you know, I was continually chasing the action. So, you know, in sports betting, it went from gambling on games that I was watching to gambling on games that I knew something about the sport to, like, gambling on, you know, women's tennis at 2 in the morning. Right. right. Like you became addicted to the I, action you know, and now you do, you had to have money in play at all times and you'd go to totally. bed with money on some game that were an event that you know nothing about. And you'd wake up and the first thing you do is check your phone to see if you won or lost. Right. hundred percent. So when obviously it's becoming a problem for you into your mid twenties and just based on age, you know, you're, you're in recovery for four years now. So you had a pretty good run where, Gambling was in control of your life and how you spent your time. But like all of us, there's usually, you know, a, a bottom of the barrel moment. Something happens, you make a really bad decision, you put yourself in harm's way. Uh, for some people, it's a collective series of those mistakes. 
until they get to the place where they're in trouble and they need help and they commit themselves to recovery. But for some people, it's just a very specific moment in life where gambling becomes too much for them. What was your story? Yeah, honestly, I would say there were probably two phases. From age like 24 to 29, I just attempted and failed to control my gambling, you know, 200, 500 times. And every time I would fail, I would say, okay, the next time when I get a little bit more money, I'm going to control myself. Finally, at, you know, age 29, I recognized I I can't control this. I have a problem. And I I looked up a therapist and, you know, online and, and went to see the therapist. They recommended that I go to Gamblers Anonymous, which I did. You know, I I did that for probably 10 or 12 sessions. Let me stop you there. Was it that simple where you're 29 years old and you just wake up one day and say, I'm just tired of doing what I'm doing. I'm going to go get help and you got help? Or did someone uh, suggest it or drive you to it, a loved one, a friend, a wife, whatever the case may be? You know, the, the first attempt was really based on my own feelings of of shame, right? I would just wake up every morning and just feel bad about myself, right? Right. Bad about my lack of control, bad about the money that I was essentially just lighting on fire. Um, And, you know, I had been to therapy earlier in my life. I I knew that that was, you know, an avenue that I could explore. Um, So, you know, it it seems like the first place for me to go out and and get some help. Unfortunately, I, I didn't find it very effective. You know, I, I think sure. I, I wasn't ready for it. I, I definitely wasn't super committed to my own recovery. Um, so from probably 29 to 32, I, I dropped therapy after maybe a dozen sessions. I dropped Gamblers Anonymous after maybe a dozen sessions. And I essentially said, okay, I'm just going to try to do this on my own. And I was very unsuccessful. <laughs> yeah, right. How, how fast after that last GA meeting did you find yourself gambling again? Oh, minutes. I mean, I, I would, I would, I was paying money to go and see a therapist. I was leaving the therapist's office and then gambling on my phone as I'm walking out the door. From it's so the funny to say that. There was a point I was talking to a therapist, and um, the therapist was based in uh, downtown Philadelphia. Um, somewhat close to um, one of the casinos in Philly, right on the, the Delaware River. And the only reason I agreed to go see the therapist was because he was so close to a casino. So what I would do is I would I would go to the casino. I would play blackjack right up you know, until 10 minutes before my, my therapy session. I'd leave the casino. I'd go to the therapist. I'd BS with the therapist for you know 50 minutes. And then I'd go back to the casino, play more blackjack, and then go home. And one of the reasons at the time I was anti-therapist, and this is not obviously the normal, I always got turned off when the therapist with 10 minutes to go in the session would start talking about me having to pay him for the session. And it was like 120 bucks, a buck 50, whatever it was. And it was such a turnoff to me because to me it's like I'm trying to bare my soul to the guy and you know, with time left on the clock, he's worried about me paying him. So I remember I went in one day, really obnoxiously. I had won a whole bunch of money at the casino. So I came in and I showed him like, I don't know, $40,000, in cash. And I said, look, you don't really care that much about what I have to say. And I don't want to be here. So let's just make an agreement. You know, I'll pay you in advance for the next three months. And if somebody calls you, you'll tell them you saw me. And, you know, obviously totally unprofessional. 
the obvious answer from the therapist has to mean no thank you. That's not how I do business. But he saw a stack of cash in front of him, and he took it. Totally. So I paid I paid the guy three months in advance, and whatever day of the week it was I was supposed to go to see him, I would drive to uh, Philly, I'd go play blackjack for a couple hours, and I'd go home. And if anyone ever asked, yeah, call the doctor. He'll tell you I was there at a great session today. And that only lasted for me, you know, for I guess those you know few months that I had prepaid him. And then I never went down there, you know, and, you know, pretended to see him again. But it was like, come on, guy. Like, I, if you want me to get help, you got to be willing to help me. And all that dude wanted was cash. And I gave it to him. I was happy to give it to him. So I totally relate to totally. that. What happened when you finally got? Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, I think for me with, with therapy, you know, I really saw my gambling at that point as a specific problem, right? I wasn't interested in exploring the deep roots of where it came from or, you know, my childhood or any of that. I just wanted to be able to stop and I couldn't. And I think my my turn off from therapy at that point was, you know, they really wanted to explore my, my, my history and I wasn't interested in getting into it. Sure. So before we take a quick break, what was the moment where you got help and it stuck and it meant something and you were serious about it and did it beyond you know, the first attempt. What, what happened? Yeah. So I would say that was really my rock bottom where I, I got engaged to my fiance. He saw the wheels coming off the bus in my life. You know, my gambling was a, a big secret to everybody right. in my life. And she saw the symptoms of it. My irritability, my secretiveness, you know, my staying out late, she didn't know what was happening. And essentially, she gave me an ultimatum and said, you know, if either you tell me what's going on and we try to address it together or you don't. And, you know, this is over. And for me, that was really the turning point. Got it. Let me, let's take a quick break there. We'll uh, hear how that conversation went and all the good stuff that's come since you started uh, to be serious about your recovery. This is Hello, My Name is Craig. Back to more of Hello, My Name is Craig on The Fan with your host, Craig Carton, and supported by the Council on Compulsive Gambling of New Jersey, 800-GAMBLER. Welcome back to Hello, My Name is Craig. Sam from Massachusetts joins us. So before I get to the good stuff, Sam, when your fiance gives you that ultimatum of you either got to come clean with me or I'm done, and now you have to make a decision, what's more important to you, gambling or the love of your life? Was it an easy decision to come clean or even with that prospect being put in front of you of, I'm not going to marry you, I'm packing up my bags and leaving, or is there still some thought given to, let me see how I can maneuver this to make sure that I can do both? Oh, man, that's a good question. You know, rationally, I very much understood at that point that I had an addiction and that, you know, it was not good for my life. I think I also recognized that if I lost, you know, my fiance. That I might not recover from that. Um, so it was very easy for me to understand what the right choice was, right. but it was very difficult for me to put that into practice. How long you know? did it take? Oh man, probably probably six months to a year of kind of white knuckle battling and building systems in my life to right. you know help me before I, I really felt like I was on the path to recovery in a stable way. And I, I need to ask you now, did you marry the girl? <laughs> I did. We were, we were married. We've been married for a few years. Great. We have a, a couple kids. So just give people an idea before I get to what you're doing now in the tech sector that happens to be in the gambling world. Give me an idea of 
And I ask this question because there are people out there that are where you were, you know, four and a half years ago who are at step one and they're finally in a place where, you know what, I know I need help. I'm going to try to get the help of man. Walls are caving in. I've got relationship problems, financial problems, work problems, and I've never lived my life without gambling. I don't know if I can do it in one day so hard. I can't imagine, you know, doing it for years and years and years or for the rest of my life. Give people an idea for you individually how your life has changed for the better from where it was where gambling was such a big part of your life. Oh, that's a great question. Um, you know, I think the first thing is that I just, I've regained my self-respect. And that was something that I really lost when I was gambling because I kept setting myself up with this idea that I could control myself and then I would fail and then I would feel ashamed. And because this was such a big secret in my life, there was just this growing, you know, gap, dissonance between who people thought I was and my kind of successes that were public and my career and my life and my friendships and stuff and what I felt like on the inside. And man, the wider that that gap gets, it's, it's terrible. It brings you to a really dark place. Um, so I would say that, that that's probably the biggest thing that I've regained in, in my sobriety. Um, outside of that, you know, I feel like I got 70% of my brain back. <laughs> I, right. I know it sounds funny, but it's just like there is always this thing in the back of your mind. You're thinking about what's the score of the game and did I miss an opportunity to bet? And what am I going to do if I win? What am I going to do if I lose? And like all of that chatter and noise and kind of manic energy is, is gone. I, I feel more present. I feel more authentic. I feel better able to connect with people. It's, it's like night and day for my, in my personal life. Yeah, I'm with you on that too. And one of the craziest things, and it's hard to you know, get people who've never been through this to understand the amount of free mental space we have when we're not gambling, you really got to find a way to fill it, whether that's a hobby, whether that's obviously, you know, diving knee deep in with kids activities or your wife's interests, et cetera. There's so much amount of time and energy that we would spend on gambling, pre-gambling, post-gambling, during games, card tables, money, all those things, that once you are legitimately done and you've got that in your rearview mirror, it's amazing how much time you now have for other things and you got to find something to do. You know, I remember when I first you know, uh, went into recovery and I'll be six years coming up here at the end of June, uh, knock on wood, uh, I remember how difficult it was for me to fill the time, just the brain space and the time that I used to spend on gambling, even if I wasn't specifically gambling, the energy I spent worrying about gambling, talking and thinking about gambling. And that was one of the hardest hurdles for me to climb is how to fill that time and how to fill the brain space because your brain's so used to nonstop activity. When you tell your brain, I got nothing to worry about for the next six hours, it's a, it's a weird thing to try to figure out. At least it was for me. Totally. I, I can totally relate to that. I think the other thing that I just, when I was deep in it, I, I had this level of numbness for everything else in my life. Yeah. You know, things well that said. I used to enjoy. I, I just, I, I couldn't feel them. And, you know, it sounds crazy to say, but it's like all the little things in life I can actually feel and, and enjoy at this point. And that to me is priceless. Yeah, this sounds really stupid. Um, I cried the other day, and I'm not a crier. And like you said, you too, I was kind of, I don't know what the right word is, but I guess comatose to the world and to emotions. 
and I cried the other day, um, albeit at a funeral, but and it was like so different for me. And everyone's like, "Oh, that was so beautiful that you know this and that." And it meant to me like I'm actually becoming a regular human being because I'm able to feel emotion and share emotion. Uh, walk people through and tell me what you got going on now, uh, tech-wise, and what you're doing. Because I, I normally encourage people who have problems to stay away from gambling and gambling ideas in the gambling community. But you have something going on that sounds interesting. What is it? Yeah, so about a year ago, I decided to share my story of my own recovery on a, a Reddit thread that I, I used to lurk on but not post. And I shared some of the things that I did to kind of get clean and, and maintain my sobriety, my, my abstinence from gambling. And it got a pretty positive response. And that essentially sent me down this rabbit hole where I founded a company last year called Evive, E-V-I-V-E. And really, our goal is, is to build a mobile application that can help anybody, you know, meet them where they are, help them re to reduce and, and prevent gambling harm. So, you know, I think for me, I was really nervous to, to speak to a therapist. I was nervous to go to a Gambler's Anonymous meeting. I was certainly nervous to, to open up and, you know, tell people in my life what I was experiencing. And really, the, the goal of this app is to, to build this kind of on-ramp for people that need help to get it in a way that might be a little bit more comfortable with them, you know, interacting. Yeah, it with makes sense because, you know, I remember I've told the story many times. I hated GA when I first tried to find a room. And I, I didn't get comfortable until like my eighth room where I finally found a group of people that I, I enjoyed their company, enjoyed kind of what they brought to the table. So the, the fact that I could potentially go to an app and I guess what you're saying is either have someone come to me or reach out to me um, would make it a lot easier for me to maybe put or potentially share my story and get the help I need. Sounds like a great idea. Yeah, thank you. We're, we're really excited about it. So our initial uh, kind of version is in the App Store right now on iOS and Android, and we're excited to keep building on it. Well, I will check it out. It's called Evive, E-V-I-V-E. And uh, yeah. we'll talk more about it as you start to grow and grow because I'd love to hear some of the uh, success stories you guys have uh, from people that do reach out, recognizing that they need help. I'm proud of you, too. Four years is no joke. Uh, it's uh, it's work to get to where you've gotten to. I'm sure your wife and your kids are proud of you as well. And I appreciate you coming on. I hope that you'll continue to share your story because the more people like you and me and Dan and the other people we've had on the show share their stories, the easier it is for us to humanize, you know, the addiction and addicts like ourselves so we can change the narrative of the way people view us. You know, we're not degenerates. We're people that never expected to have a problem who, because of the way our brain is wired or experiences maybe in childhood and beyond, you know, went down a path we never expected to go down. And hopefully people view us more as just flawed human beings as opposed to quote-unquote degenerate. So I really do appreciate it. I'm proud of your success. And uh, let's stay in touch. And again, thanks so much for coming on. Thank you very much for having me. All right, be well. Thanks again, Sam. Appreciate it very much. Appreciate all of you uh, listening and interacting with the show. Uh, you can always drop me an email if you have something in your life where you yourself have an issue with gambling and you just need some direction and help. It's craig.carton at odyssey.com. Getting help is just a phone call away, whether it's to me or an email or to someone else that you know loves you. If you feel a certain way about your gambling, you have somebody in your life you don't know how to help, please pick up the phone, whether it's 1-800-GAMBLER or emailing me. There are plenty of avenues to get you the help that you need. And shows like this hopefully resonate with you. And if you do recognize that somebody in your life is acting 
a little off or a little different or they're not as social as they used to be and they're becoming more of a loner and they're gambling more by themselves and spending an inordinate amount of time on gambling websites, you know, ask them how they're doing. Don't be afraid of the conversation because the conversation could very well save somebody's life. Joe Beningo is coming up next. Dan and I will see you again next weekend right here on Hello, My Name is Craig. Have a great weekend, everybody.